This is a Federal News Network podcast. Technology vendors, sharpen your pencils. The next generation of government-wide acquisition contract is just weeks away from dropping. It's called CIOSP4, and it's coming from the NIH Acquisition and Assessment Center, or NITAC. It'll have a $40 billion ceiling and award spots to as many as 400 large and small contractors. Brian Goodger is the program manager for CIOSP4. He's also the acting director of NITAC itself. In part one of their exclusive interview, Goodger tells executive editor Jason Miller about what vendors should expect in this coming year. CIOSP4 RFP will release in in mid to late March. Uh, Proposals will be due April 30th. Uh, and then we'll move into our evaluation stage. And the main crux of the requirement is health IT. That's our niche. That's our challenge from OMB as an executive agent and as a BIC, best in class level three. There are 10 task areas, the first of which is health IT. And the vehicle really takes pride in having all socioeconomic categories represented, all types of smalls, uh, obviously including large as well and the ability for our customers to have set-asides at the small socioeconomic category of their desire, the task order level, uh, throughout the duration of the contract. The ceiling is is $40 billion, and we expect this iteration, version four, to have more contractors on it than ever before, and specifically more small businesses than ever before. Long range, we're looking at award in, in late January or early February of 2022. And we're, we're quite excited about the possibilities of CRSP4. So I know from covering this previously, one of the questions that, that brought it to my attention was you guys used to have a CIO, well, you guys do have a CIO SP3 small business and a CIO SP3 unrestricted. Did you decide in the end to combine both those contracts into just one CIO SP4? And as you said, have the ability to do set-asides? Uh, that's right. Yes, we did. So a number of reasons why we decided to do that. And I'll go through a couple with you. First and foremost, administrative burden. If you were previously on uh, both vehicles or you had multiple contracts on each vehicle, if you had multiple socioeconomic categories, now you had multiple files to take care of, multiple uh, modifications to take care of, multiple CPARs to take care of. And that, that really wasn't the best for both the government and private industry. Uh, next up, due to the success of CSP3, when some smalls graduated to the large vehicle, there was some time there where they couldn't see the solicitations and couldn't participate. And we don't want to have that happen again. We want everybody to see all the solicitations every single time. We also think that will enable some of our smalls to pair up with some of the larges on the vehicle for subcontracting possibilities. And we also think by having one solicitation and one contract, it speaks to the the spirit of SICA, the Competition and Contracting Act. We didn't like that the large business contract previously was essentially a large business set aside. We really want everybody to have a full and open competition on the task orders at all times. And then finally, the ability to go to just one solicitation and one resulting contract does not in any way negate or reduce the opportunity for small business set aside. They will still be very prevalent on the vehicle. We're a leader in small business dollars and percentages, uh, meeting our small business goals. So well over the 30% threshold that we're required to produce will be achieved again in the future. And, and we know that most agencies and departments are customers. Those IT managers out there with those IT dollars look to NITAC to increase their small business percentages so they can get credit as well uh, on their end. 
one of the things that comes up when you talk about re- reducing, creating one big contract with set-asides, does NITEC have any thoughts yet about how to ensure that agencies just, agency customers just don't come to you and say, always go to the large business because there is that feeling of, I'm comfortable with company X, who's a large business, and I don't really know company Y, who's a small business, and I'll just go with X because if they fail, it's on them. But if I go with company Y and they're a small business and they fail, it's on me. Without having that specific small business contract that's, that's, that's you know, different. I mean, are you worried about that? Or is there some way you guys are trying to kind of get in front of that, that challenge? No, we're, we're not worried about that. That's just a, it's not factual. So the, the regulations, the FAR require that any requirement that can be fulfilled by a small business be reserved for small business. It's called the, the rule of two or more. If you've got two small businesses out there in industry that can perform the requirement, it must go to, to the small business arena. There's also a, a, a dollar threshold and a dollar threshold uh, is typically 250K, but we're going to contemplate putting in some additional dollar thresholds for HHS agencies and, and optives that require uh, under a certain dollar value, the uh, competition for task scores go to small businesses. So, so no, it's, it's incumbent upon each respective customer's department or agency's small business office who must sign off on the acquisition plan to discern and decipher the market research on NITAC to decide whether or not the requirement can go to just smalls or if it's truly uh, full and open. And if it does turn out that it, it can't be fulfilled by small businesses, again, the full and open will still allow on NITAC on our ecosystem, the electronic government ordering system, which is our synonymous with uh, Beta Sam or Old Fit BizOps with the way in which NITAC does business on our ecosystem. If that were to occur and it's something seemingly was not reserved for small business and had to go to large, the smalls again would still see it. And and this way they would be able to approach some of the larges, seeing which task areas they offer to try to match up and have a small business uh, subcontracting opportunity, where previously the largest would go outside the NITAC vehicle to bring in their own subs. So we feel that this enhances competition uh, at the prime level, but also it enhances competition at the subcontracting level as well. I think that's an important point to highlight. Did you hear that from small businesses or did you hear that from large businesses as a desire to have that NITAC even facilitate that type of connection? Yes, absolutely. We heard that all throughout the, the spring of 2020 and the summer of 2020. We did a lot of industry days. The small businesses had a legitimate complaint that you know that it wasn't fair to them that they couldn't see all the solicitations so yes that is one of the reasons we switched what were some of the other if you will challenges complaints concerns that you heard during these industry days that then made it into the final rfp one of them in particular was the number of pages required on industry to turn in on their technical proposal was was simply too high. It was too laborious for them. And consequently, we took that to heart and have made some significant reductions in that area. Specifically, the technical proposal, and this is after the draft, we've made these changes, so it hasn't been put in writing yet, but the actual RFP that's coming out will have a significantly reduced amount of pages based on industry feedback. So we're going to go from 60 pages in the technical proposal down to 10. And our phased approach hopefully will allow more immediate feedback to industry to let them know where they stand, where their proposal stands, rather than wait something of this 
consequence of this scale, uh, most contracting vehicles, you might wait a year or two before hearing. And because of our phased approach, we really expect to be able to get back to offerors as early as the fall. So just six months, uh, whether or not they've advanced from phase one to phase two. So that's another good reason. As you, as you talked about this multiple phase approach, one of the things that just occurs to me is there's a lot of innovations going on around government. You see, for instance, GSA, who also runs several GWACs, using the unpriced master contract, for instance, for their Polaris contract. They also are using the self-scoring technique for Oasis. Did you guys look around and say, okay, what can we borrow or, or beg or steal from other agencies? And, and how did you apply it to CIOSP4? Because I'm interested to learn more about this phase, two, this, this multi-phase approach. We did take things from other agencies and departments that we really liked, and we combined them with some of our own. And the approach is as follows. It's three steps. The first step is your industry's self-scoring sheet. That self-scoring sheet will be filled out by each respective company and will reflect their corporate experience based on the work they've done for the government in the past. And when they compute their self-scoring sheet, numbers will be assigned accordingly based on the dollar value of the contracts that they have previously performed. That will result in some total score at the bottom of the page out of 10,000 points. It's important to note that each company, based on their business size, is competing to get on the GWAC only amongst companies of a similar size. So larges are only going against larges, and smalls are only going against smalls, and Furthermore, at the next level, each socioeconomic category of company is only competing against a company like them. So the line in the sand to move on from phase one to two is going to be different for each business size. Next up, phase two is a go, no go. And these are mandatory things that are in the RFP. Uh, we will check them to make sure that they are all met. And having been all met, you would advance into phase three. Phase three is a technical proposal review, uh, as well as a business proposal review. The technical proposal review consists of 10 pages. Uh, it is specifically five pages about task area one, which is the health IT, and that's, of course, our, our niche, and uh, a management plan, meaning how are you going to manage a contract of this size and scope associated with if you have any type of business arrangement, if you're in a CTA, contractor teaming arrangement, or a sub or a protege, mentor protege, you're gonna discuss how that's working and who the people are and who the lead is. And then next, we'll check your past performance. Uh, it's in addition to the technical proposal. And then finally, your business proposal, which will consist of uh, 15 pages, um, uh, a spreadsheet as well, with all the labor categories and the prices, and then backup documentation. The technical proposal will receive an adjectival score uh, and then that, that combined with the past performance and the business proposal will result in a list of apparent successful offerors, as we call it, or, or essentially who has received a good enough score to move on to the um, award poll and who has not. But because of that phased approach, again, we expect to be able to narrow down the competition so much that there won't too many protests at the end because so many companies would have already been eliminated and would have been notified six, nine months prior. So we were really um, optimistic about the, uh, the phased approach and specifically about that self-scoring sheet because we, we've had a couple meetings with industry where a couple companies have, have realized or recognized that in at kind of an early stage that you know their score might not be good enough to really compete like they would like. 
So it's not it's not worth it for them to go ahead and risk the, the bid and proposal costs and the time and energy it takes to propose on something of this scope. So we're, we're really excited about this approach. And then finally, I, I just want to add that NITAC is unique in that we are both the program office and the contracting office, or the contracting shop as we call it. So we have tried to answer the call of our customers across the government, CIOs, IT managers, with the 10 task areas uh, and put into uh, the language exactly what they would like to see, things like cloud computing, things like cybersecurity, things like agile. But at the end of the day, we, NITAC, also control the, the statement of work. It's ours, and we're doing the contracting for it. So it's a very kind of unique situation. Again, the GWAC is part 15, negotiation, um, and the task orders and delivery orders are part 16 a fair opportunity, which is quite different. So we, we jump into one lane uh, every 10 years, and we're in that lane now, part 15. And then for the next 10 years to award the task orders, it goes into part 16. As the vendor self-score to go through the assessments, and as you said earlier on, they'll kind of weed themselves out and see that they don't qualify. But with a 1,000 people bidding and only about 40, 35 to 45% getting awards, the protest is a big concern. No acquisition is protest proof. I get that. Are you building that into your schedule as well? Because when does CIOSP3 end and do you have enough overlap? First off, CIOSP3 ends in mid-May of uh, 2022. And an- another reason we've moved to the phased approach, although the offerors will submit everything in total up front, the phased approach allows NITAC the opportunity to notify them immediately after the conclusion of each phase of whether or not they've advanced to the next phase. And in doing so, we will be able to start any protest clock immediately with those that did not make it from phase one to phase two. And you're right, likely some of them will protest, but we will work with those protests uh, commensurate with our evaluation in phase two. So the evaluation will continue as any protests come in. And we also have done some market research and talked to some other agencies and departments in that as the phases continue, the number of companies goes down, the number of protests go down. So that by the time we make the apparent successful offer or pool in, in late January, early February of 2022, and let's just, I'm going to pick a number. Let's just say there's 400. I don't expect, but only about 405, no more than 410 to exist at that point. Now we're not talking about hardly any protests, right? You can almost probably count them on one hand. And that 100-day clock with GAO is still in place for timing it up with the uh, successful conclusion of COSP3. So that, that's why we're really driving hard for that end of January, early February award date, so that just in case we need those 100 days, they're built in there. One of the things that comes up is ensuring that you cast a wide enough net to bring in new companies. What's the plan for socializing the RFP? Well, I think we've done a pretty good job over the spring and summer of 2020 in getting out the various groups within industry uh, at all levels of IT and all business sizes. Our feedback tells us that we're going to set a record with the amount of proposals we're going to receive in terms of competition. It'll be more so than NITAC has ever previously had in its 20-year existence. And it'll probably be more so than almost any contracting government, period. We've got our work cut out for us to meet the expectations that we've laid out for ourselves and with industry to have a, an efficient review of the proposals. But in, you know, in terms of just hard numbers and competition, uh, you know, we expect to be in the, the four digits. Uh, you know, we're going to have a comma in there 
with the amount of proposals we're going to receive. So the reach, the marketing, the ability to get this opportunity in front of industry has been a long, thorough process and, and one that we're quite confident will result in uh, competition that is both healthy for NITAC, but also more importantly, healthy for our, our customers, that we get them a wide array and diversity of companies on the vehicle that will make them want to use it for the next 10 years. Well, that, that, always, that leads me to that bigger question then, and I'm not sure you can answer it yet, but if you think you'll be getting over a thousand proposals, <laughs> how many awards do you expect to make? Do you even know yet? Uh, we do. We set a range in the RFP in Section L. We spell out within each business size category how many we expect to make. That number is still fluctuating a little bit until we actually go live with the RFP here in mid to late March. But the number is likely to be somewhere between 350 and 450 awards. Brian Goodger, Program Manager for the upcoming CIOSP4 contract and Acting Director of the NIH IT Acquisition and Assessment Center, NITAC. Speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Check out Jason's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, Confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.